Isn't that an awesome testimony? Let's just put our hands together. Thank you so much, Rosie, for sharing that testimony. You know, the, the background story is really funny because a week before Rosie saw Pastor Caleb, he, uh, we went to like a stand-up comedy night just to kind of, you know, connect with Busan foreigners because we were new here and we knew that there would be people there. And so the spot, one was open. And so we all kind of encouraged Caleb, like, oh, go. Oh, he, he's kind of funny. He's pretty funny on stage. And so he kind of went up and he told this joke about, oh, so backstory, uh, Pastor Caleb, uh, he used to be in prison for a couple years. <laughs> okay, and this is not a joke. And so as he uh, came up to share the story of why he uh, was in prison, he gave the joke that he killed a white man. And the entire bar went silent. <laughs> and later he said, oh, that was the first time you were scared of an Asian guy, right? And so he kind of finished it at that. And so I think the crowd was still kind of wondering, uh, did this guy kill a man? And so that's where we kind of met Rosie uh, was at the time. And so, you know, uh, yeah, if you look at Rosie's story, you can just see God's, his timing in everything. And so what I want you guys to get from that story is it's not just her story. It's really what God was working in her life and that those kind of good things, that kind of good timing, that kind of favor, that's for all of you guys as well. And to know that God really does have everything in plan for you guys. And so, um, again, uh, my name is Pastor Mina, and I'm one of the campus pastors here. I'm married to Pastor Caleb, okay, the ex-con, okay? And... Uh, as you can see, he's a pastor now. And uh, I think his life is just an example to so many people here of God's redemptive power, uh, God's redeeming grace. And to know that, you know, Caleb, he, he knows his identity as a son now. And he knows his place in the kingdom here. And so if you talk to a lot of us, we all have very similar stories of, of brokenness, of, of sinful patterns. You know, I know I look really nice. I look fairly innocent. I, I have that face, you know, but uh, even me, myself, you know, I was a party girl, partnering up in Korea and, you know, not till very long ago, only till about 2007. And so even in my life, God, he's done an amazing work. And so, you know, even if I look at my testimony and I share uh, different things, uh, what I gain from it is not so much that I used to have all this fun or this kind of worldly fun. It just, it really shows that God kind of is very gracious and very loving. And so, you know, as you guys kind of step into the community and you guys kind of get a feel for what's going on, know that that kind of grace and that, that kind of understanding is God the Father, that that's really there for you as well. And so we really hope that uh, today you guys will be blessed by the message. I'm very excited to preach the message today. Um, it's something that God's really been speaking to me about. And so I'm, I'm just praying that the Holy Spirit will really give that fresh revelation to you guys today. Amen. 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 And so if you take a, oh, where's Karis? Oh, she's sleeping. Okay. So if you see here, this is our friends, Pastor Grace and Herman Wave. Okay. Uh, they're from our Seoul campuses. And so we have two campuses in Seoul and they're from the main campus hillside. So they just wanted to come and visit today. They're on vacation. And so uh, they're staying at our house uh, for the past couple of days. And so it's been really fun because they have a baby 
that's seven months old and is the cutest baby in Korea. Okay, you guys can uh, take a look if Grace is okay with that later on in the service. Um, but it's been so much fun, and she's absolutely adorable. She's so cute. And, you know, as a married lady who does not have children yet, it's been quite a learning experience uh, watching how many times a day you have to feed the baby uh, and uh, how their whole entire life revolves around the napping schedule and the feeding schedule. And did you know that at that age, you have to change the diaper over 10 times a day sometimes for baby girls? It's very, it's very interesting, right? <laughs> I learned about new contraptions. They have this little thing called the ergo where the baby can take a nap and different things. But I have to say that really the most enjoyable times that I've seen with Karis is how baby Karis and uh, Grace and Hermit interact with each other. It's like absolutely adorable. Um, you know, Grace and Hermit, they love Karis so much. And, you know, she doesn't really do anything. You know, we, uh, I just kind of like watched her for a while, and I just noticed she just eats a whole lot, poos and pees a whole lot. And, uh, but all throughout the day, Grace is constantly kissing her and, and, and loving on her, hugging her and making fa funny faces towards her because the love is just overflowing from them. Um, man, you know, Grace was telling me a story about baby Karis. And as she was telling me the story, I kind of watched and kind of watched how they interacted. But it's really cute because when Karis, she met our cute little uh, Shih Tzu. We have a dog named Nugget. They had like the cutest interactions together. You guys got to watch the video. It's really cute. Um, but Grace was telling me that whenever Karis does something new or she does something, she always looks back to mom and she waits for an approval. And so if Grace kind of gives a light nod or if Grace laughs or smiles, then Karis gets the okay and she gets that kind of that joy back in her. You know, Karis gets her identity from what her parents show her and who her parents say that it is, that she is, and how important and loving she is. And so in that same way, we really need to look at God the Father to get our approval and identity from him. Okay, uh, let's turn in our Bibles, if you have it, to John 14, 6. Okay, let me read. It says, uh, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, if you want to get a revelation of God the Father, the only way you can get it is through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus was the perfect example of how, as children of God, we are supposed to relate to God the Father. It says again, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The only way is through Jesus Christ. Okay, in this verse, Jesus ex is explaining that without him, you can't get that revelation. You can't get that understanding of God as the Father. You know, many of us, we know Jesus as the Savior of the world. That he's the one, he stands in the gap. He's the one that when God comes to judge us, that his blood atones for our sins. He's the one that stands in front of us, and he's the one that says, 
judge me instead. He's the one that paid the price for us that we do not have to be slaves anymore. But we have freedom. Amen? He's the one that connects us with God the Father. And he's the very thing that molds us together and, and brings us back to the Father. Jesus is a revelation of the Father. And we can see this by really looking at his life. Now, it's interesting because when Jesus came to earth and when Jesus started his public ministry, what the Jewish people saw him as, they had like absolutely no paradigm of him as father. And so all they knew him as was holy, holy and set apart. And even to the point where they couldn't say his name. So they, uh, we say now he's God, Jehovah, Yahweh. But the Jewish people, they never said this, okay? So this, isn't, this is a good example, although I don't agree with Harry Potter or anything. But you know you guys watch Harry Potter, right? And uh, you know how they never say Voldemort? They always say the blah, 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 okay? And it brings this kind of fear, okay? This is kind of how it was with the Jewish people, except a lot worse, okay? And Voldemort, of course, has nothing to do with God. But in that way, they never said his name. And so when Jesus came, it was a huge paradigm shift for the, for the Jewish people there. Now, if you, did you ever think, like, if Jesus' only purpose was to die for our sins, then how come he wasn't just born, became 30, and just went straight to the cross? You ever guys ever think about that? It's because his life was not just meant for just the redemption of sins, but his purpose of his life was to show how we're supposed to relate to God the Father. You know, in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the word Father is mentioned over 200 times. And over 160 times of that is spoken by Jesus himself. And so as he's on this earth, as he's discipling people, he's showing them, he's establishing this kind of identity with his disciples. You look at the Lord's Prayer, and, and the disciple says, Jesus, how, how do you pray? Teach us how to pray. And the first thing he says is, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven. He gives that example as a mold, as an understanding of who God the Father is supposed to be. Man, and that was totally not normal back then. You know, if you look at the gospel accounts and you see there was the religious scribes called the Pharisees back then. And man, they used to get so angry looking at how Jesus related to God the Father. They thought it was complete blasphemy. Because for people to be able to have that kind of intimate relationship, people thought he was crazy. And people thought that he just was out of his mind. And so he kind of set that example that really now it's not for us to relate to God in that way. But now it's our turn to now relate to God the Father. If you read the Torah and the Old Testament, for the Jewish people, they didn't see God the Father. They saw Abraham. It was constantly saying, Abraham is our father. Isaac is our father. And Jacob is our father. So for them, it was totally strange for God to be the, the father in their lives. So if Jesus is the example that we're supposed to be, live by, then how did Jesus relate to God? He related to him as a son. His life, it just completely contrasted the relationship that everyone thought they could have with God. And it was so intimate. 
through such an intimate relationship with the Father. And, you know, as children of God, as people of the new covenant, that kind of intimacy and relationship, that's available for you and I. I think that's so amazing. You know, back in the Old Testament, it was the priests of the Lord. It was only the high priests could enter into the Holy of Holies, which was just a place for kind of fellowship with God. It was once a year. It was one dude only. Okay. But when Jesus died, that veil was torn. And now we have access into the Holy of Holies, into that presence with God every single day, every single moment of our lives. You know, Jesus is God's son, but we also are God's children. It says in John 1:12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It says in 1 John 3, 1, see what kind of love the father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. God is our father, and that makes a big difference. Um, so we watched this really good, cool movie. Has anyone seen Wreck-It Ralph? Raise your hand if you saw Wreck-It Ralph. It was good, right? <laughs> anyone else see it? Does anyone else want to see it? Ah! There's a really good example from this movie, and me and Caleb were talking about it because it, it's really powerful. But... uh. It made Pastor Caleb cry, okay? But uh, seeing as uh, I can't use this example anymore because I need to share, I will share another example because, because I'm nice like that, okay? Um, how many of you guys have seen uh, The Man in the Iron Mask with Hadi in a body, Leonardo DiCaprio? Raise your hands. <laughs> he, he, he's my favorite. But I love my husband, but he, he really... He's my, fa- my favorite. Anyway... The, the premises of the story is Leonardo DiCaprio is a twin, okay? He's the man in the iron mask, okay? <laughs> and so he is actually the prince, but he has no idea who his father is. And so him, all along his entire life, he thinks that he's a peasant, that his father is a peasant. And so he gets thrown in jail. It's just like crazy conspiracy theory, okay? So he lives his life in jail, with this iron mask, okay? And so imagine you, you're in jail, okay, with the iron mask. You have no idea who your father is. So him, he has absolutely no, like, oomph to try to get out of jail, like, because he just has no idea who his dad is. And so he kind of is very hopeless, and he kind of stays in that place, okay? Now, some of you, you guys have been trying to change your life, And you've been trying to change for God. And you try to read your Bible because you know that that's what you're supposed to do. And you're trying to be a better Christian. You try this and you try that. But everything would be changed if you knew who God your father was. That you wouldn't try to do all these things on the outside. You wouldn't act like a prisoner. You wouldn't act like you have to try and get all these things. But in reality, you will know that you're not in prison, but indeed that's your royalty. And some of you, you don't know what you look like because you don't know who your father is. And when you look in the mirror, you think, oh, man, I'm really terrible at that. I I lack in this. I feel insecure about that. 
I don't really have a good group of friends here. I'm not really important. And you have this image of yourself that isn't true. And the mirror that you're looking at is completely distorted because you can't see who your father is. It says in Romans 8.15, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. If you're a Christian and you believe in Jesus as your Savior, then right now you do not have the spirit of slavery. You have a spirit of adoptions as sons by whom you cry, Abba, Father. Amen? Now, so many Christians, they walk around with a lot of fear. And that spirit of slavery, what it does is it brings you into fear. It kind of, it brings you into that slavery mindset. You know, a, a lot of people have this image of God, like he's waiting around in heaven. He's watching you with like a magnifying glass. He's, oh, you didn't do that again. Oh, you messed up again. As though he has this like stick in his hand, getting ready to punish you. Bah! Beat your hand. Boom. When you make a mistake. And that image is completely false. It is totally not biblical. Okay. Even if you look at the New Testament times, the Pharisees, the people, they thought of God as this, as holy God, as one where he struck down in judgment. Now, mind you again, that this is our God, that he is one who judges, but he's also a compassionate father. And he's also one that gives so much grace and is patient and is kind and compassionate. And so this image of this punishing God, this is totally the old covenant. It's old covenant mentality. It's totally false. Uh, Pastor Benjamin Robinson says it like this. Whatever condition we're in, we make all kinds of excuses for not letting God love us. As if I don't have the right to not allow the Father to love me. And it's, just, it's in this slave mindset that so many Christians operate today. But what I want to tell you today is that's not who God is. He's the God of like the prodigal son parable, who this guy... You know, back in Jewish times, if you ask for your inheritance, you're basically saying, hey, pops, you're better good as dead to me, okay? And so this prodigal son, he goes to his father and asks for his inheritance. And it says in the Bible, in Luke, that he squandered it on reckless living, okay? Well, he probably like went and partied it up, hooked up with some girls, drank, did this, okay? Reckless living, okay? And then he realized he had absolutely nothing, and one day he's like, ah, oh, you know what? I'm going to go back to my father's house. He kind of got that revelation of, ah, my father will take me back as a servant at least. Okay, and as he goes back and he says, father, forgive me, I have sinned. Before he could even get anything, God, uh, the father is just running towards him, embraces him. It's just, it's so powerful because, you know, even back then, Jewish men, they were very reserved. And so if you get this image of this father running, he's showing his like, his calves, which, like, it doesn't seem that scandalous now. But back then, like, it, it wasn't heard of. Jewish men were supposed to be reserved. And so this father, who's filled with compassion and love, he's running towards the part of the son. And this is a picture of who God the Father really is. You know, it says in Genesis that we were made in God's image. And so, you know, even over the weekend, I've, oh, baby Karis. Hi, Karis. Hi. 
I, I was looking at baby Karis, and、uh, she's like the exact resemblance of mommy, except the eyebrows. <laughs> the eyebrows are daddy's, and so I can't imagine like when we have kids, like looking at my baby and like seeing my face. I'm like, oh my goodness, like, oh my baby, right? You, know, you just, you look at that resemblance at the baby. It must bring so much joy to your heart. And so, you know, when God looks at us, it's very much the same. God sees you. He doesn't see the sin. He sees a resemblance of Himself. You know, He made you to be in His image, and that in Genesis He made that, and that's for us today. When He looks at you, He looks at, He sees Himself. You know,、uh, some of you other guys, you know, rather than, whoops, rather than think that you're insecure and different things, some of you guys think, "Wow, I'm, I'm awesome, I'm great." <laughs> and although that's a great way to think, really, without God and His greatness, that's also a little bit skewed as well. And so you know, there's people, Christians or non-Christians alike, that they find their identity in the things that they do. And you know, back in America, I used to have a lot. I don't know why, but I was surrounded by like really rich friends, that they were all like consultants, like in the finance market, and they all, a lot of them, found their identity in what they did. And so you know, while we're on vacation in Phuket,、oh, if you notice my nice tan. I went to Phuket a couple weeks ago with our lead pastors, and、uh, Pastor Christian. Kind of a, he kind of made us watch this documentary, this really long one, about、uh, like the real estate crash and different things. And I, I was a little interested, but you know, out of honor, I watched it, fell asleep. But when I, when I watched that, I realized like, man, these finance people who made like tons and tons of money in like a matter of a short span, they lost so many people's money, and they lost so many people's like 401ks. Like their retirement funds were completely wiped out, and so I can only imagine like those people that lost their money. But to be someone like responsible to lose like hundreds and hundreds of people's homes, and that like if you found your identity in that, you'd be super depressed. You'd be so shaken. And so even people who, who you guys think, oh, I'm hot stuff or whatever, even in what you do. If that's what you find in it, it's also it's not a correct identity either, because that kind of stuff, just like the housing crash in America, that stuff is is circumstantial, and you can never find your identity in that stuff either.、Um, Jesus's life was to show us that God is our Father, and this was the purpose of His life. It wasn't just to reconnect us back to God when sin broke that relationship. His life was an example of what it means to correctly relate to the father. It was to show this father-son relationship. What kind of person am I? What kind of victories do I have? Is my dad? He he's the creator of all the universe. <laughs> he's got everything in his hands. What kind of victories are mine? If we could only understand who God the Father really is, we would get that boom revelation of who we are. Now, some of you guys, you have a hard time relating to God the Father because of your earthly fathers, or even because of your earthly mothers. But you you can't do that. Don't do that, because your earthly fathers will always come short. And even if your dad's the greatest of dads, he's always going to come short. You know, I 
my my dad, he's awesome. He's he's really cool. You know, he's uh emails me a lot and he emailed me like a couple of days ago that well, hold on, hold on. I'm from Baltimore, right? So the Ravens are in the Super Bowl. Yeah, okay. So he, he's going to the Super Bowl. He bought tickets to go. And so we've been in contact, like all our emails and then go Ravens. Okay, he's awesome. He's awesome. But even my dad, I can't, I can't compare God the Father to him. Because God the Father, his love for us is perfect. It's absolutely perfect. It's, it's not flawed in any way. There's no selfishness in God the Father's love. And so if we begin to put God in a box as our earthly fathers are, it's also inaccurate. It's actually, it's a little bit foolish. And we can't do that. And so some of you guys, the fact that God is father, that word father, it blocks your relationship because you think about your dad. Or you think about your mom. And that's totally not true because God, he's just, he's too good. He's too good to be boxed in like that. Amen. You're not beggars. You're not prisoners. You're actually walking in abundance. And the reason that you're walking in abundance is because of what Christ Jesus did for us. And as you're able to not be a slave or servant, you have full access and inheritance from what God the Father gives you. And a son whose father provides everything. Now, you know, one of the most common questions as a pastor or counseling that I get is, what am I going to do with my future? I'm stuck in Korea in this lame ESL teaching job. And I hate these students. What can I do with my future? It's very, very common. Okay? Or, oh my gosh, I'm single in a foreign land with no good brothers around. <laughs> How will I get married? Okay, you're, you're stressed. Can be filled with anxiety. And it's because you guys, you, you can forget who God the Father is. And that you forget that God, he provides everything. You know, he, he wants you to get married, folks. He wants you to have a future. He wants you to, he wants you to succeed. That that's his plan for you. It's his purpose for you. He loves you. He wants to provide everything. It says in Matthew 6, 26, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? If God can provide for the birds, why do you worry about tomorrow? You're not a beggar of provision. You're walking in abundance. If you really believe that God is your dad, then everything that dad has is yours. Everything he has is at your fingertips. And what crazy is, is some of you might think, oh, my, oh that's great. But God hasn't shown me anything. I'm still financially unstable. I'm still single. My parents are going through issues. I have no hope of a future, blah, blah, blah. But how can you tell me when God provides when I haven't seen provision in my life? How can you say that to me? But what I have to say about that is simply, is simply faith. Faith to believe that God is who he says he is, and he's the provider. 
you know, I moved out to Korea in 2005, and so I haven't been living in my parents' home in a really long time. Seven, eight years, right? But, you know, hopefully I'll get to go visit the States soon. But when I go back to the States and visit my parents, regardless of the time that we've been separated, I still know who I am. I'm their daughter, right? Mickey. Mickey and Jihee's daughter. Those are my parents' names. You know, when I go into the house, I open the fridge and I take what I want because it's my mom and dad's house. I'm not going to ask them, hey, mom, can I have some fruit? You know, my mom's, like, really domestic, and so, like, she always has, like, bowls of fruit all cut up and chopped up, like, waiting. So I'll just come, you know, kind of, I'm kind of spoiled like that, but I'll kind of, like, open the fridge, and I'll just sit there and eat all this fruit. And so when I think about going home, I get really excited about the fruit. That I don't have to, like, deal with all that. But, you know, I'm not going to go in and say, Mom, are these watermelons mine? No, I'm just, I'm just going to eat it. I'm going to eat it. It's mine. Now, Caleb, on the other hand, who's a little bit scared of my mom and also not that comfortable, he will probably ask, okay? He will probably ask, uh, can I have some fruit, okay? But the key here is is that you have to claim your identity as a son. You got to claim your identity as a daughter, it's like this. It, it's, you say to God, hey, God, hey, can I get some fruit in the fridge? And God says, yeah, sure. God, hello, can I get some fruit? And God says, yes, it's yours. Everything is yours. God, why aren't you giving it to me? This is terrible. And God says, everything is yours. You know, some of you, you guys are asking God, God, where's my fruit? Can I get some fruit? Where's my husband at? Can I, can I get this? Where's my money at, God? But God's saying, it's yours. Take the fruit. You don't got to ask, just take it. What you got to do is you have to claim it. You have to stand in that identity. You claim it by faith and you claim it by prayer. I know I use marriage a lot because I understand. Like, I'm not that old. I'm like almost 31, right? But I was like asking God for a husband for so many years. And God gave me Caleb, right? So I understand. So I really like using that example. But listen, that fruit, that fruit is yours. That husband, he's already cut up in the fridge for you. He's prepared. He's chilled. He's perfectly cut, perfectly cut, right? Ready, ready to serve. He's ready. He's in the fridge. So all you got to do is claim it. All you got to do is claim it. You know, me, uh, I, I, uh, I, I remember God speaking very clear to me that my husband was coming soon. And that was uh, middle of 2009. And uh, me and Caleb, we got married in uh, end of 2011. So I know it doesn't seem that long, but, you know, I was kind of, like I said, I was kind of a party girl and stuff, so kind of had a lot of past with dudes, right? So I was single for a long time when I came back to the Lord for, like, from 2005 and on. And so I was like, come on, God, where's my husband? Come on, God, where's my husband? But those years were a testing of faith, okay? And through claiming it, saying I'm a daughter, I'm a son, 
My husband is there. I claimed it by faith and through prayer. And all you guys have to do is the same thing. You guys might say, how come I'm not getting this and how come I'm not getting that? But it's because you guys are not claiming what is yours. It's very simple. Claim it by faith. God is abundant in provision. You just got to claim it. All you've been saying is, where's my fruit? I'm a beggar. And you've been waiting for things to get handed to you. Listen, we don't stay babies forever, okay? Karis, she's seven months old. Mommy provides the food every couple hours, okay? But when Karis gets a little bit older, she's going to have to learn how to use a spoon. And she's going to have to learn how to put that food in her mouth. That she can't expect the same kind of things from mom like when she's five, because that would be weird. She would have to eat on her own. And in that same way, you guys can't expect God to spoon feed you if you're not a baby anymore. You have to learn and put that food in your mouth. God is saying yes, but you have to claim it. You're not a beggar for mercy, but you're walking in an abundance of grace. You're not standing there saying, God, please forgive me. I'm a sinner. But you're standing in abundance of grace. Not because of what you did, but what because Christ has done for you. Now, it's really interesting because I think, you know, even me back in my college days and my Korea days not so long ago, when I thought of the concept of grace, I thought, all right, God, I'm going to go out drinking tonight and do what I want because tomorrow there's grace. <laughs> okay, this is, let's not cheapen grace here, okay? When people think of grace, it's not about covering up your sin. It is, but grace is there to empower you to live a holy life. Okay, it's there for you to grab hold of your identity as a son. That's why grace is there. Grace enables you to walk and live and talk about what Christ has done. It doesn't give you a free pass to act in whatever foolish ways you want. You are walking in abundance and purpose simply by being a son of God. You guys know that? Uh, in the Bible, you know why, uh, if you look in some versions, why we're not, why it doesn't say sons and daughters of God? You guys ever thought about that? Some, like, uh, kind of uh, women-sensitive versions have son and daughter. Well, the reason that it says son in many translations is because back then, the sons were the ones that got the inheritance. Women, we were kind of given as the inheritance. Thank God for change. But the son, the reason the word son is used is because there's an inheritance for you to take. And so as a son, you guys have an inheritance. You have a rich daddy in heaven, okay? It says that there's no male or female, Greek or Jew. But that's why you won't hear me say uh, sons and daughters, really. It's because we all have an inheritance by being sons of God, amen? You know, when I used to come home, and I used to go home to the States. And, you know, even I had my crazy times in college and stuff. But when I came home, uh, even my earthly mother and father, when I came, they didn't come and say, hey, you did this. You didn't do that. You didn't do the dishes. You didn't do this. They would greet me, say hi, hello, and sometimes give me a hug. At least my dad, right? God's exactly the same way. He doesn't sit there and 
and say to you, oh, you didn't do your quiet time this week. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. But he comes, and all he wants to do is he wants to give you a hug. He wants to give you an embrace. He wants to give you that revelation that you're his son, that you're the child of God. And that's your purpose, is is to be loved and loved by the Father. That's your only purpose. And from there, everything else flows. But you have to get it in right order. You know, as Jesus, when he came and before he did his three years of ministry, you know, John the Baptist baptized Jesus into the water. And a voice from heaven opened up the clouds, and everyone heard, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. You know, I used to look at that and think, like, oh, that's kind of cool. But later we, we got the teaching that that happened way before any of the signs and wonders, any of the ministry began, is God the Father told Jesus, I'm pleased with you. I'm well pleased with you. You are my son whom I love. And this is the revelation that we need today is it's not about what we do. It's not about what we can do for the kingdom. But first and utmost, the fundamental is you get that revelation that you're a son of God, a beloved child, one where God the Father is your provider. He's your comforter. He's your protector. He's the one that has your steps all, 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 all sorted out. He's the one girl, you know you girls shed a lot. He even knows the numbers of hair on your head. Okay? When a couple hairs fall out, he knows. Okay? He knows everything about you. He's so in love with you. He so desires you. And if only you would let God love you. If only you would let him embrace you. <laughs> You're so cute. Okay, let's close our eyes. Let's just take a time to respond and pray. many of times we can struggle with different anxieties about what the future holds for us the plans that God has for us and all because we don't know who God the Father is God I just pray I just pray for every person in this room today Lord that God, that that revelation of God the Father will go deep, deep into their minds, deep into their hearts, Lord. That God, that you will reveal who you are through the Son of Jesus Christ. That God, that that will go deep within our DNA, Lord. That God, that we would come to know you as God the Father, the compassionate God, the God of provision, the God of comfort. And Lord, for those of us who are struggling, to have that God of past hurts, Lord. God, I just speak forth grace right now. I speak forth grace in Jesus' name for them to get that revelation of God the Father today. Holy Spirit, work in the hearts. 
drop in their hearts a revelation of who you are, a revelation of Jesus. That God, and no matter what they do or what they say, Lord, that in the deep of deeps, that they will know who they are because of you. We thank you, God. We thank you for the work that you're doing in our hearts today, Lord. And God, I just ask that even throughout the week, Lord, that God, that you will speak to us. Speak to us through your word. Speak to us through our circumstances. Show us how much you love us, God, because you love to show us and you love to bless us. So God, I just pray, Lord, that in this week, speak to your people. Show them, God, manifest your glory and your power, your fatherhood of who you are to them. We thank you that you're the good father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand up and close.